I think the uh, thing about Friends is I thought there was a lot of humor in it, and I thought you know songs usually don't have that much kind of humor, but Friends had a lot of humor in it, so that's why I like it. friends and welcome back to the sail on podcast this is wyatt in nashville tennessee where it's been ice cream weather for some time now happy summer to everyone happy birthday brian and also bruce 80 big ones pretty amazing i just got tickets to see the man himself this september in nashville at the historic ryman auditorium and i'm very excited to see him and al and the whole gang it's been a few years. I chatted with our friend Nia D'Amelio about her recent experience seeing Brian in Los Angeles over the over at the Patreon page. So please go check that out if you're already a patron or if you're interested in supporting the show and keeping all the nasty advertisements at bay, which we are all thankful for. Big thanks to the newest members of the family, Timothy Kohler, Dustin Carr, and Jack Bailey. Head over to patreon.com slash sale on to learn more. I want to give a huge thanks to Matt and Greg over at Beach Boys Talk for having me on the show a few weeks ago. They've been doing great work. Go check them out. They have all their videos on YouTube and uh, they do the live show every Tuesday night. Super fun. I've been all over the place lately, physically and mentally. Thank you to the Beach Boys for centering me. It's like coming home, listening to their music and studying it. You guys know what I mean. Hope you guys are doing well. I got a call recently from our good buddy and Beach Boys engineer, Steve Desper, the legend, and he has been gracious enough to share his amazing study video and Friends LP reimagining with you, our Salon podcast family. This is a pretty amazing thing, and um, I've really enjoyed digging into it. It's linked in the show notes, and there is a password. And if you are in the know, the password is just the name of the road where the Friends album was recorded. Simple enough. Huge thanks to Steve for sharing this with us. And if you have any questions for Steve, please send them to me, sailonpodcast at gmail.com. We have more planned with Steve in the future, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of Friends... Let's get right back into our deep dive with the Sail On Sessionographers, 
Will Crera, and John Brody. We're back to talk more friends. Last episode, we went through a whole bunch of the, the early sessions and covered Little Bird and Be Still on the actual album, but otherwise a bunch of outtakes that didn't make the final cut. And now we're going to keep going into what are sort of the main sessions for the Friends album, where Brian starts bringing back some of the Wrecking Crew guys. And we're pretty much going to go through all the songs on this episode, plus some extras that are on that Wake the World release back in 2018. So what do we got up first, Will? Um, so last time we were sort of jumping around a bit, like non-chronologically, because we've got a lot of those early outtakes that the, there are no recording date for, and then we wanted to get to the Dennis stuff by itself. But this time, from here on, we're pretty much just going in chronological order for things that we actually have dates for, right up to when the album came out. So on March 6th, this is about a week after Little Bird was recorded, and uh, the day before they finished it and mixed it. I guess maybe they were thinking of it as a single uh, for a time, because they mixed it down in mono, uh, which I don't think they would have done if they weren't going to... Yeah, you know, before it, Friends was was even written. Yeah, but then for, the, but then but then Brian was like, "Hey, no, you you, you go on the B side. I've got a song." Um, but before that, I don't know what this this was for. Maybe maybe this is just an album track. Maybe this it sounds like it could have been maybe some sort of single or something. But uh, they recorded on March sixth at Brian's house an early a sort of early version of "Be Here in the Morning" called "Be Here in the Morning, Darling." Yeah, so this is the song in a completely different time signature, and it's sort of got like a, a Latin vibe to it, rather than a chilled out beachy waltz song, as it will later become. And like a lot of the, the stuff we talked about last time, they didn't get around to vocals on this, probably just because they rewrote it. Uh, interestingly, Brian said that the first take of the song Friends was in 4-4, but we think he was talking about Be Here in the Morning because um, we know people who have heard the session for Friends and that's not the case, and that is the case here. So he was probably just getting those two songs confused if anyone's ever wondered about that. I think he said that back in the 90s. It doesn't sound very Be Here in the Morning, but it's still you can still fit the same melody over it if you stretch it a little bit. It, it's Even even though the time signature is just different, some of the chords are, are different. Um, it's kind of, it's structured a little bit differently. It's got, um, I think, you know, a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, and then it's got this whole long sort of bridge section that isn't at all in the, um, the remake or the rewrite that they ended up doing. It's a completely, you know, unique piece of music there. And then there's like a third verse when the final song only has two verses. Um, so the track on this one, it was like, it was a, a small band of outside musicians. You had Carl playing the sort of mellow electric rhythm guitar again, very similar to um, 
well, no, we haven't even got to Friends yet, but it's, you know, he, he plays this, there's a lot of sort of like soft, <laughs> mellow guitar sounds on uh, this album. Uh, Lyra on bass, Jim Gordon on drums, I think Brian ended up playing the percussion on this, which I think, I don't know, it sounds like, is that a temple block, I think? That's what I put down, but I don't know, it's not, it's not important, it's, it's, it's a thing. Um, Fr- Frank Messina on uh, accordion, uh, Roy Caden on trumpet, yeah, uh, two, two saxophones, Jimmy Gleory and Jim Horn, and Paul Tanner, um, a boy from the Theremin days on Good Vibrations and just wasn't over these times, he's playing the thing that he um, was a musician for most of the time before he ended up inventing the Electro Theremin, he played trombone on this and he was primarily a trombonist before he um, became the Theremin guy. And then uh, he stayed behind a little bit longer than the rest of them to overdub a bass trombone onto it as well. So it's, I don't know, this, yeah, this is this is very different to anything Brian's done before. It's, um, I think the thing that stands out on this to me is the bass and drums, like the rhythm section is very on Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And um, throughout this whole album, he relies on, on a different bassist and drummer. He, do, he doesn't get Ray Pullman or Carol Kay again and Lyle Ritz who was his main upright bass player kind of throughout the Smile era is now his main guy on the electric bass and Jim Gordon is on the drums for all this stuff or most of this stuff so yeah I I really like this track and I do wish they finished it but I think I think the final one's better but this one's really cool yeah yeah this is my favorite of the outtakes of the album anyway it could have just been a different song if they had a different melody to it nobody would have copped that it was the same thing um I, l- I love the accordion part. It's, it's got a sort of <laughs> French um, feel into it. Yeah. Um, I think it was Alan Boyd who said that, like, before they um, found out what the title of the song was, he he, he called it um, Monsieur Hulot goes to the to the supermarket. Was kind of the <laughs> the title that they were calling it until uh, Craig Swinsky, um <laughs> kind of told them that this was a be here in the morning session. Yeah, really cool track. All right, so the next song Brian recorded was the title track, Friends. The song we're all, we're all here for. So this was Brian's house on March 13th they recorded it, and then they did the vocals at ID Sound on March 14th, and then they redid some of the vocals on the 15th, and then that was the single done. It was very quickly put together. Um, oh, there's a lot to talk about with this song, but I don't know why I, I don't know where to begin with it. There's like a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, this this song I feel like is sort of, with this album too, but especially this song is sort of the start of a new, softer sound for Brian and for the Beach Boys, and it's a sound that sort of continues up through Sunflower, where everything is just very light and gentle and, and airy Yeah, consistently throughout what Brian's doing, and his his band now, like I feel like this is the song that they base everything on <laughs> it's got vibraphones and acoustic guitar and bass harmonica and and brushed drums it's like this song i feel like is is the blueprint for a lot of a lot of things In the 90s, Brian gave this interview to Record Collector, where he comments on quite a lot of songs 
uh, that you don't hear him talk about elsewhere. And on the song Friends, he says, uh, I like waltzes and you don't find too many of them on the radio. That's why I changed the tempo from 4-4 time to 3-4 after one take, which we think he was actually talking about be here in the morning here. But anyway, uh, he goes on to say, I was pretty shook up because we just had a fight, a bad, bad group rift in 1968. Al threatened to quit. Mike got mad at Al and Carl. I got mad at Mike and Carl got mad at me for getting mad at Mike. We almost broke up, but we sat down and did Friends instead. That's why it had so much spirit, because it was quite an emotional ordeal. There's something about this album uh, with the songwriting credits where the rest of the group start getting involved outside of just Mike. Um, I think this is pretty much just because Mike was in India and Brian needed a lyricist. And uh, if you look at the publishing for all of these songs, Brian has like the sole music credit on every single song that he co-writes on this, apart from Diamond Head, um, with the others all just um, down for contributing lyrics. So I think it's basically like Brian was composing all these tracks and then just whoever was in the room was throwing in lines and then all of their names went down in the song. So this one is credited to Brian, Carl, Dennis, and Al in that order. And uh, I've tried, I, I played, I did this thing once where I, I like was trying to figure out which Beach Boy probably wrote which line. I was like, the when the funds weren't too cool thing sounds like a Carl <laughs> sort of thing you'd say. The cut off your hair thing sounds like something Dennis would probably come up with. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that that's a very new thing. Brian writing with his brothers and Al as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I should show you that. I I, I feel like I, I like I had this chart one time. I was like put arrows next to it. I was trying to work out like this. Yeah, with, <laughs> which Beach Boy probably came up with this, but we can only guess. Um, but yeah, so even though even though it's credited to all of them, Brian was still the composer of this song and all the others that the group are all credited on. It's definitely a, a misconception around this album that they were all writing together as if Brian's musical contributions were diminishing, but. Really, like you said, Mike was gone, and and all, like all of those names beyond Brian are just a replacement for Mike or Van Dyke Parks or a steady co-writer, which he didn't mm. have during this era. So he just kind of got all the Beach Boys and some of their associates to contribute some words. But otherwise, it's all his music in the same way as everything else. All the other Wilson love songs, it's just like replace love with Carl Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Al, <laughs> Steve Korthoff, and John Parks, and... <laughs> yeah it's interesting though because you get like dennis having a credit on some songs here which you never really you know seen an official way after this brian co-writing with dennis and i know they did some stuff in the early 80s and there's little bird and um brian said in the sunshine tomorrow line is that uh, dennis actually wrote a few lines of a thing or two so this isn't something completely new i think um but this time they all got credit for it when they were making little suggestions and brian went on to write a few things with carl and he'd write quite a lot with al over the next few years um, and this was sort of the start of it. Brian, um, sorry, I mean, Al's got some memories of writing quite a lot with, with Brian in this era. And, you know, Wake the World is the song that they just wrote by themselves. Um, so anyway, got a song and it was set to be a single. Brian wanted to have a waltz as a single. And, you know, everything you were saying about that sort of very mellow um, template for the Brian Wilson band sort of sound. Um your musicians here are a lot, are a lot of pe some people he's worked with before and some people that are sort of new to it. Um, Jim Ackley played a clavinet, which again is sort of new in their arsenal of keyboard instruments. Um, it's kind of replacing, you know, he goes for that sort of 
electric keyboard sound instead of a tack piano or something or a harpsichord on quite a lot of these songs. Carl was down. Carl was the only Beach Boy player on the session. He was down there playing guitar, like Be Here in the Morning, this sort of very soft, mellow rhythm guitar that's really nice. Jimmy Bond played upright bass. Norm Jeffries was on drums on this one. Um, Alan Estes was on Estes or Estes. I don't know how you pronounce that. I don't know if he was related to Gene Estes, who was also a percussionist on a lot of these sessions. It's kind of strange that there's two of them. I haven't looked his background, but he was on vibraphone. Tommy Morgan was playing harmonicas. And then Jim and Jay were on saxes again and this is a just a really 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 cool arrangement like it's not diminished or less complex in any way than anything he was doing in, in the smile era it's very deliberate you know they've got all the interplay between the sort of little squeaky saxes and the you know americana sort of descending harmonica line and um the vibes and stuff it's I, I don't know. I don't know what you can say. I'm not a musician, so I can't. <laughs> you can probably talk about this better than I can, but it's a very, um, really cool arrangement. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much to say about it other than it's just a really pleasant sound, and it's just a really, mm. it really works for the song and for the lyrics. Just this very quiet and breezy, happy background for this really cute little song about being friends and. And all that. And oh, something interesting to note about this song and Little Bird and all these songs on Friends is that a lot of them were recorded in pieces, including this one. They would do a take and then they would start from somewhere else. Yeah, and then, oh, oh, yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah, it, it seems to be a sort of misconception with the smile material that that was the only time he experimented with taking different pieces of tape and splicing them together and and you know physically creating the song with the tape after a whole bunch of different sections are recorded but that's actually how he recorded not only smiley smile and wild honey but just a lot of this music afterwards and when we get to songs like busy doing nothing it's there's just so many tape splices it's like good vibrations all over again so yeah the music wasn't being written in a way that it it's obvious it's not you know, the verses aren't completely different from the choruses like like the smile music, but it was still physically being put together in the same way. Yeah, it's sort of different the way he approaches it, though, because on Smile, it was sort of like smile, smiley, smile. The edits are kind of there to bridge different tempos and moods and very differently arranged sections. And then on Wild Honey, it's sort of out of just, you know, record like a verse and a chorus and then copy paste it so you don't have to do the whole song. It was a sort of ease thing. But on Friends, it's a bit different it's like he's doing it out of this very precise per perfectionism in the way he does a lot of edits so so yeah so, so you don't notice you wouldn't think listening to this song that it's like an edit record like good vibrations and stuff because it was all done to sound the same it was, it was it was a different approach but it was arranged and sort of controlled in very like precise little sections um and uh on top of that then they carl added this like i don't know if he's using a whammy bar or doing it manually but this this really sort of vibrato-y wobbly funny lead guitar in the bridge uh that plays <laughs> i love that part it's it's such a unique sound um it reminds me a little bit of some of the parts in cool cool water the guitar, guitar on that uh it sounds great and then there's also a, a string quartet over added onto this as well but it was really buried in the the final mix that he ended up doing you can hear it a lot better on the back and track and the way the world set um and this was just like a small string quartet that they then double track to make it sound thicker and which seems like an odd thing to do considering he barely features it in the mix but 
Um, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about the track for this other than um, Bruce, who doesn't like the Friends album, really loves this song, and he should because it's a great song. I don't know why he doesn't like the rest of the album, but he's <laughs> you know commented on the bass on this. Yeah, it's, I love the, I, I do love the bass on this song as well. It's very sort of like he uses just an upright bass on this. There's no electric bass, which is quite a different sound from anything he's been doing in a while. It's sort of pre-pop or post-pop i guess in that sort of smile vein where it's just doesn't sound very contemporary it's just you know brian doing his own thing and the drums with the bra- it's sort of like got this sort of tumbling sound like there's that video of them running through the fields and i think it was in hawaii maybe that it's been paired with friends for like a promo video or something and i always think of that when i hear the song it just it's like a sort of tumbling tumbling through the field sort of thing with the <laughs> with the harmonica um that's what i always think of when i hear this song I suppose before this, he didn't really use upright bass that much as the bass in songs. It was typically yeah. used to augment the electric bass and, and thicken the sound, you know, beyond beyond a surfing. Um, so yeah. that that's a new old sound <laughs> for the Beach Boys here. <laughs> and um, yeah, let's, let's talk about the vocals, I guess. Um, so Carl sang the lead on this song, double tracked. They did all these vocals over at... Um, What's the studio? ID Sound. Um, and the backing vocals are really interesting because they're voiced much higher than backing vocals typically are. And there's there's really no bass voice in the song. And that's pretty much because Mike was gone. And this is something you sort of see across the Friends album is that the the vocals are, are they, really, they really go up high, but they don't have the same range as someone like, for example, the Smile vocal arrangements. Um, there's not like this extreme low and this extreme high. They all kind of move very closely together, yeah. or at least they sound that way. And it's it's really beautiful. So the blend here is Bruce is on the very high part, and and then you've got Brian, Carl, Al, and then Dennis is singing the low part. And I feel if Mike were there, he would be singing that part, or there would be an even lower part for him. I really love the ascending part after each of the verses where they all go up on the chords together, and Bruce has that really high F sharp note, and it's just. It's really pretty. I really, really love the vocal arrangement of this song. Yeah, the, the, there's sort of some quite minimal backing vocals in this, in the verses behind Carl. Like, um, I think in the second verse, the old Brian and Bruce have this sort of like, uh, uh, sort of thing together, and then Al's just going, bum. Um, you know, it reminds me of the DreamWorks music a little bit. Or just, I mean, I think of Shrek when I hear this song. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The uh. <laughs> Fiona singing to the bird, like the ha ah, ah. <laughs> You know what? Sure. That's just sure, what I think of when I hear friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, and then the bridge is my favorite part of the song. It's, this is like a top tier, like. 10 out of 10 bridge, one of my favorite Beach Boys bridges. They all sing the, that big ah, um, just together in unison, like four of them, you know, Dennis dipped, I guess, after they did that chorus part. That's just like it did in Little Bird, he was sort of only featured in some of the song. And then, you know, just the way they sort of like go up and down and up and down and then get to the Let's Be Friends part. And then on like, on the last sort of repeat of that, they break away into this big harmony and it's, it's just beautiful. It's some of the best vocals they ever did. Let's be friends! Let's be friends! 
yeah, that very last "Let's Be Friends" is so pretty. Just the way the the notes, the chords are voiced, and the way it's sung, like by all, by all the Beach Boys. There, it's it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, this is like my probably my favorite Beach Boys song to just sit around playing on guitar. It's just got a really pretty cool like chord progression, especially in the bridge. But I think it's 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 really striking that um, that you know it's the way it's got like the half step change up in the middle of like the first like after the first line it just goes up somewhere really unexpected straight away um which always thought that that always stands out to me and then you know i guess the minor part and then comes back down to where it started and it's this sort of nice circular repeating thing throughout it um just yeah it's 10 out of 10 no notes <laughs> good stuff i love the lyrics as well they're really cute lyrics but they're quite poignant as well i remember I think even Mike, uh, he wasn't involved in this song, has talked about them as sort of an example of the group's sort of development uh, um, at some point and then in some interview in 68 or 69 or something like that. Um, I love the, the cutting off your hairline. It's like it's funny, but it's also quite, you know, it's just like a very real sort of, you can tell this is sort of coming from their own experiences in this song. I love the dim dipply, dim dipply thing. It just makes me think of... Um, you know, oh god, uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> like I don't know where that came from, but it's love it. But yeah, <laughs> love friends, good stuff. Yeah, that 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 one makes that one makes sense to me. Makes more sense than than reminding you of Shrek. But you know. One more thing about Friends, sorry, is, uh, yeah, the, the fact that they released it as a single. And again, this one said, arranged by Brian Wilson on the front. Even though it, says, it still said produced by the Beach Boys, it was another song that was acknowledged as arranged by Brian at the time. And he was producing it in the session. He was, you know, Carl was the only Beach Boy playing on it. And Brian was up in the booth with Jim Lockett producing the whole thing. There you go. So, next song, When a Man Needs a Woman, the final version. So, this is a song that we sort of talked about a little bit last time because... The Beach Boys themselves recorded a sort of scrappier version of the of the track at Brian's house, and now this is a this is the final version on the record, and we've got a similar group of musicians, but some new people. Um, we've got Alvis Govo on acoustic guitar, Carl and David Cohen on electric, and then we've still got the same rhythm section of Lauritz and Norm Jeffries on bass and drums, and uh, Brian playing the piano as well. Yeah, which is pretty buried in this. You've, it's hard to hear the piano. I'm not actually sure. The car was in the session, but I don't know if he's there on the final take. It's pretty hard to hear, but if there is like a rhythm guitar that he's playing. But uh, David Cohen's the one doing all that nice sort of country-flavored sort of lead guitar stuff. This is very, like, overtly country. to this arrangement it's kind of just you know there's piano guitars bass and drums um and that's it which is you know kind of unique for again it's like it's it's like what you said about it, him doing normal music now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and something like this drum beat is not something you've ever heard on a beach boys record before but you've heard it on a million other records because it's it's just sort of like you said it's regular um 
country music is just like a little shuffle and it's still you know yeah. similar to friends and little bird which are all sort of different beats uh in its softness and and the vocals as well really help that and this is another one that the the, mm. the vocals on here are just so beautiful um so yeah so brian did the lead himself on this one single tracked um sort of like a lot of the other wild honey lead vocals and he had an extra verse there during that that organ part that you can hear on the on the wake the world release yeah which i wish they i wish they used yeah it's a nice little verse but he does kind of mess it up a little bit and i and i see why they they um removed it from the final mix and then the backing vocals as well are no mike but i think we think no dennis either it's um Brian, Bruce, Carl, and we think Al on the, we think Al on the low part. Um, it's kind of hard to make out, but I think it's just those four. And someday I'll put my son on my knee, and his little eyes will be looking at me. Then I'll tell him when a man meets a woman, they make things like you, my son. Yeah, it's just a it's just a four part backing vocal arrangement sort of standard brian wilson and it's just a really neat little song it's it's super pretty it's hilarious in that he's expecting a son and everything and you know poor carney yeah it, it it's sort of it's quite wholesome um you know carney disrespect aside until you get to that bridge section which is like okay so so this is credited to this is, this song has five writers somehow it's credited to brian dennis al steve Corthoff, and john parks who were two um steve Corthoff was brian's cousin and john parks was like the I think road manager, I think, um, who's also mentioned, you know, both of them are also mentioned in uh, Be Here in the Morning in the lyrics. Um, and it's, you know, I think that was just a case of they were in the room and maybe chucked in a line or, you know, and then Brian put their names down. I think it's pretty obvious which section Dennis contributed to. Like, I don't think <laughs> Al came up with the bridge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the... I love Brian's vocal there. It's ridiculous. I love his singing on this song, though. It's very intimate and very... There's a lot of feeling behind it. Yeah, the bridge cracks me up, man. This is a this is a funny song. A man needs a woman like a woman needs a man when the two get together. Oh, 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 oh. I I don't know. It's really hard to say what some of my favorite songs are on this album. For every song we talk about, I want to call it one of my favorites, but all of them are one of my favorites <laughs> yeah, that's, on this album. That's tricky uh, I love every song on this that's album. That's the tricky part. They're all of equal yeah, quality. I mean, you know, I, it's like pet sounds all over again. Yeah. I mean, I never I never go straight to Diamond Head, but when I do listen to it, I'm like, oh man, I love this too. So <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 tricky. So um, I, yeah, I guess moving on. I mean, oh I should say as well, this was recorded on March eighteenth, and then the vocals, we think we're probably done an ID sound, even though not documented anywhere, but it's one of those late March sessions. Um before Mike got back. Or maybe they did it at the house. I don't know. There's, there's some sort of odd tape buzz on the backing vocal tracks, which um, a friend of ours thought that was a synthesizer for a while. And I was like, no, it's just just tape going wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so moving on to two days later on March 20th, we'll get to another song that didn't end, didn't end up going on the album. This is Our Happy Home, also known as Our New Home, on the tape box, but the um, capital worksheet and the AFM contract was Our Happy Home, which is the title I like more because I like the alliteration and it's just a sort of goofy little happy title, but (laughs) I I always call it Our Happy Home. I don't like calling it Our New Home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same here. This is um, 
very similar group of musicians. We got Norm Jeffries playing the vibes now, um, Carl and David Cohen on guitars, Al Vescovo on the lap steel, and um, rhythm section of Jimmy Bond on the upright bass. He was on a lot of the, the earlier stuff. And Jim Gordon on the drums. And this is another waltz. This is, um, again, recording it, recorded in, in sections and in, in pickup takes. And unfortunately, this one didn't get any vocals. But if you'll notice, the chord progression of the verse is the same as the chord progression in Our Sweet Love, which, which came during the Sunflower Sessions. So Brian eventually did rewrite this song. And... Yeah, I, I wonder how, how similar the melody would have been or what the chorus and the bridge were like because those are pretty different here, especially the, the bridge, which is just... Oh, yeah, where it's just um, like one note and then the, the drums and the lead guitar figure. So um, it's hard to figure out what it would have done that. But you, you had a great theory about... Um, I think Al said they had to like finish up the lyrics to Our Sweet Love, which implied that Brian had written a little bit of it himself. And... Uh, yeah, you had. A, I remember you had a theory that the whole thing about like candlelight, warmth of a fire, and all that sort of thing in the final one. Um, it sounds like the sort of thing that could have been in this song originally. Like it's talking about a house, and you know, talking about things in a home. It could have come from the Our Happy Home version of the song. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the case because. Um... You know the verses here are the ones that that keep the same melody into the the new track that Brian did, and or sorry, same chord mm. progression, probably the same melody, and they have the verse the the lyrics about candlelight, the warmth of the fire, we can make them part of, and then uh, they say our sweet love in that version, but that does that never really made much sense to me, and I'm wondering if the original words were we can make them part of our new home or our, our happy home. Um, about like a couple moving in together or buying a house or something. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of that, no, I mean that's that just idea. a theory, but I, it, it um, makes it makes more sense. It uh, yeah, it really does. And I, I I so wish they finished this. It's like I can live with you know be here in the morning dial, and I can live with it as it is because it's a really cool track, and it you know we ended up getting the final be here in the morning out of that. But this song, I so wish this was finished and put on the album because it would fit perfectly, and it sounds nothing like the other tracks as well, which is. You know, I mean, it's all this stuff. Um, you hear about friends' outtakes, and you wonder what they're going to sound like for years, and then you get to it, and it's like, I think this is the case with a lot of Brian stuff. Um, you kind of are aware of these outtakes, and you actually get to hear them finally, and it's like, oh, this doesn't sound anything like I was expecting. And it's again, it's just a really unique little arrangement. It's very small, um, but there's certain things in here, like you know, the vibes playing the chords and the verses that you know are a little bit like Friday Night from Smile. Um, and he does something here with the two, with the slide guitar and the country guitar sort of just riffing off the side and, you know, playing these sort of little improvised licks and that sort of thing, which, you know, When a Man Needs a Woman did that as well. And Brian got into that um, a bit in the next few years where he'd, you know, just sort of have guitars kind of improvising off to the side, like This Whole World and Breakaway both have that. And then a track, um, Silly Walls does that as well, just with these, like, you know, countryish guitars going off and doing whatever the guitarist feels like doing at the time. It's something quite new to his music. Um, again, it's got the, just the stand-up bass by itself and no electric bass. He's just sort of taking that sound as it is and, you know, not using it to complement something else. He's still just seeing the value in what an upright bass can do on its own. Um, yeah, really, really cool track. Wish they finished this thing. Yeah, yeah. And all those songs you mentioned with sort of 
riffing guitars in the background. Those those all have David Cohen on them, and David Cohen was a yeah. Was they all have a new Cohen. session guy to Brian. Yeah, around this era, and he must have just really liked his playing because he he always got him and and always kind of had him in, had him doing his own thing. He's great. It, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And yeah, this is one of those songs I had read about long before I'd heard it, and it did not disappoint. It's just a sweet little track. Love it. Yeah, and I'll just go over with the slide guitar as well, which is another thing that's quite new to Brian. I mean, he had that um, Let's Go Away for a while. He's got the the 12-string slide on that, which is, you know, I don't think he ever did that again, like having a slide on a 12-string. And then um, Little Pad has that too. But here on the Friends album, he's uh, sort of getting into the slide guitar a little bit. Um, so that's that's sort of a new thing to him. Um, that shows up elsewhere. I don't know, it's just, it's cool. And then the next one that we get to, which is another two days later, it's on the 22nd, also recorded at Brian's house, is Passing By, which at the time was just called Instrumental Number no. 1, before they give it a title. Yeah, so this is another really neat track, really soft and has some really cool guitar moments on it like all this other stuff we've been talking about and one one cool thing is is during that bridge the the drums and the and the congas playing together are, are doing the same same beat that he came up with for guess i'm dumb if you listen to that intro it's the it's the same little thing oh cool but, um, I, I never noticed that oh cool Yeah, so, so Brian leading this thing was playing the Roxacord. This is, uh, a few of the Beach Boys were on this one. Um, Bruce was playing an organ on this that is sort of very inaudible. If you listen to the original mix and on the right channel, there's an organ sort of playing chords underneath Brian's main keyboard that's quite quiet. Um, David Cohen and Elvis Gover are on this as well. Um, I think David Cohen plays the 12 string, although we haven't heard the session to like confirm that for ourselves, but that's what uh, Craig said that the conclusion he came to. And Alvis Gova was playing a six string, which is not on the final song. On the final song, there's just the one guitar and it's just the 12 string. And it seems like, just from reading various notes and things, it, it's, it seems like they had like some sort of prominently guitar part and then they copied it to a second generation tape and it was replaced by the organ as a sort of lead melody instrument. But that's just a theory. I don't, I don't know that that definitely happened, but they did. Um, there is something about like an earlier version that has more guitar than the final one. Um, anyway, Carl on this is playing a six-string bass. I don't know if it's a Fender six or if it's a Dano bass, but this very sort of twangy um, bass off to the left. Uh, Lyle Ritz is on upright bass on this one. Jim Gordon is on drums, and Norm Jeffries is on the congas. And this was apparently just supposed to be an instrumental from the start. It was logged as uh, instrumental one on the AFM contract, so it was never a plan to use lyrics when they were recording it. And that's something else we can talk about soon. But this is uh, the only song on the album, oh no, besides Busy Doing Nothing that was credited just to Brian by himself. the for the vocals which are very pretty i really love um it's just sort of brian and carl singing this unison melody and it's the it's it's the same melody over and over again but it's really nice and then at the end um after the solo it 
it's the same melody but in like a minor key and it, it takes this weird twist and all these harmonies come in and yeah it's very pretty that, very that part i just thought was 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 really neat and the bass harmonica too let's talk about that there's bass harmonica on this song that had to be overdubbed at a later date yeah, there's, there's a bass harmonica, um, but there's nobody in the original session that was playing the bass harmonica, so that was overdubbed at some point. I don't know if this was Brian or if this was um, a session pro. It sounds like it's quite well done, even though it's quite a simple part. Um, but Tommy Morgan was at the Brian's house to play on Wake the World a few days later, so maybe Tommy was the one who played on this and added it a few days afterwards, but it's never been officially written down anywhere and he wasn't paid extra for that session, so... I don't know, it could have been a Beach Boy, but I think it, you know, it's played well enough that it seems like it could have been him. Um, also, yeah, so they've got, you know, the two Wilson brothers singing that lead together, um, which is a very pretty sound when those two sing high stuff together, because uh, Brian's got a sort of more definite thing to his voice, and Carl's got, like, the glassy smoothness, and it combines really well. I thought it was just Carl for a while until eventually it was like, you know, because it's, it's been down as Brian in various official releases as the credit, but I was like, no way, that's Carl, and then eventually came the realization that, oh, it's both of them, you know, on, on there's two people singing on both tracks. Um, there's some backing vocals at the very end, which is just very simple. Brian, Carl, and Al, they're buried a lot in, in the original mix, but in the remix on the Wake the World comp, you can hear them a lot better and they sound really nice. And uh, Brian played the organ solo, um, which is just plays the lead melody in that part. And um, I think Bruce said he did that. And then Craig Slowinski also called that Brian on some, you know, charity phone call thing in 2005 or something like that. I think it was the Hurricane Katrina relief, whichever year that was. And asked him and Brian was like, hey, yeah, I played that. So I think this is, again, it's on his Baldwin organ with this sort of vibrato-y sound to it. Um, and oh, the other thing about the song as well is it's another thing that uses editing in a way that you probably wouldn't notice the entire track from the end of the uh, from the end of the bridge um it's just copy pasted like they just played a really short track and then mixed it down without the bass harmonica mixed it again with the bass harmonica and then just stitched them together to make a longer a longer song um which is a cool way of doing things i'm always you know i'm good for more passing by so i'm i'm fine with them just looping the entire thing with <laughs> no, no real changes yeah, the, the editing throughout the Friends album is really smooth, and you really can't tell a lot of the time, which is yeah, probably why people just assume that that was no longer a part of his creative process. But yeah, it was, and it was done very well. So, mm. Yeah, and um, I guess there's one more thing we should talk about with this song. I don't know what else you can say about it, but it's very pretty. I, I saw some review that described it as sounding like lounge music from Mars, which is a description that I've never forgotten. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean... What else sounds like passing by? It's sort of it's it's very like you know it's just a lot of this music is just Brian Wilson music. I can't really describe like a, a comparison to it apart from something like When a Man Needs a Woman, which you know is some a little bit more traditional. But most of the songs are like what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there are lyrics associated with this song that have been often been sort of mistakenly described as lyrics that they didn't use when they uh, recorded it and turned it into an instrumental, but. Um, the, the lyrics for this song weren't written until the early 70s. So what happened is when Irvin Almo bought the Sea of Tunes catalog, when Murray sold it, <laughs> Murray sold all Brian's songs, they were trying to get some people to record cover versions of songs to you know 
you know, make good on their investment. And um, there was this whole thing about like, don't worry, baby. They, you know, with the lyrics about the the car and stuff. And they thought, hey, we can't get people to cover this song. So they were trying to get people to come in, like rewrite the lyrics. And I think Tony Asher was asked about that, and he sort of refused because he didn't want to change any of this stuff. But um, Brian got together with Stan Shapiro and Tan and Elmer, his uh, new friend in, in 1971, and they had like uh, this attempt to rewrite some of the Friends songs so they could get some cover versions recorded for the um, f- for the company. Um, so that's where the, the new lyrics for Passing By came out of. They weren't trying to like re-record the Friends album, and uh, it wasn't like a, a project for Brian. They were trying to. Like, it was sort of just a songwriting effort for like that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so Stan Shapiro and Tan and Alma wrote these new lyrics with Brian. That um, Brian just recorded like straight onto the original stereo mix of the song on a four-track machine at Tan and Alma's house. Uh, just recorded this guide vocal on top of it. Um, you know, t- he could have just done it to a piano, but <laughs> they sort of did this strange sort of homemade edit of the actual song that Brian just sang on top of. And it's it's great. It's really I really like the l- lyrics of this song. I don't know how you feel about them, but. Um, I th- I love this thing. I-, I really wish that he'd recorded it in the sort of like style of Brian's strange seventies music with like spring and Daniel in the tree and that sort of thing. Yeah, the, the lyrics are, are really nice, um, well-written, and they sort of fit the original sound of the song, and and yeah, it's nice. Yeah, uh, but Brian's vocal's a little bit, like, not not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when his, his sort of high range was, was, was not as strong as it was before, and 71 and 72, and he's he's hidden those, those notes that he did on the original track, but it it's very it sounds really like, weird thin Doesn't... and sort of yeah it's 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 you know cocaine so <laughs> heavily into his elf voice era yeah you hear that and it makes sense why he wasn't going for those really strong high parts anymore and why you know carl and other people were taking those yeah but it's nice to hear anyway the other songs that they tried rewriting at the time were off the top of my head i think it was this the title track friends wake the world and be still by dennis uh they had to go at writing new lyrics for all of them but we've only got some sort of um we've only got a demo of passing by that stan shapiro had a cassette of um that eventually surfaced and came out on the compilation Busy doing nothing. So this is March 26th, again recorded at Brian's house. I was just gonna say, this song is just a straight up bossa nova. There's, if you just heard this yeah. without the lyrics and without the lead vocal, just the track, there's really not much about Brian's career up to this point that would signify that this is one of his songs. Mm. And not much after as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even the chords are written in the style of a lot of um, like bossa nova tunes and yeah the arrangement i mean he was calling all the right people to play on this because it just it's just straight ahead 
you know, Brazilian jazz. And it's really it's cool. Great. It's great. Um, so, yeah. who's on this song, Will? Who's playing this? Okay, on this song, we've got Jim Ackley again. Who, Jim Ackley, who played uh, keyboard on Friends. He's on this again, playing the Rocks Accord. Alvis Gobo was playing the acoustic guitar. He very much became Brian's acoustic guitar guy over the next few years, and especially on this album. Lyle Ritz is playing the upright bass. Gene Pello, who is the drummer on Time to Get Alone, is on drums. Alan Estes is on uh, triangle and maraca. Uh, Tom Scott, who is kind of a pretty well-known jazz saxophonist, he was playing a flute on this. Uh, David Chair and Don Englert were also on flutes, and then you've got Jay Migliori on bass clarinet, I think. Um, I think that's the way the, the, the woodwinds went around. And uh, I don't know what else could I say about this one. Oh yeah, this was originally when they recorded it, it was going under the title of Even Steven before it became Busy Doing Nothing, which um, is a, I don't know why it was called that, but... <laughs> You know, it's it's pretty rare when Brian has a title that isn't spoken in the lyrics. I guess he'd done that a few times, like, Do You Like Worms? But both of these titles are hilarious. I love them. Even Steven is great, but Busy Doing Nothing is just the perfect way to describe the song and, and the feeling you get. So this song had a lot of editing that went on actually in a few different stages and like that little turnaround part of the music, what like, the first bit you hear before the verse, that's actually just the same recording every time. Yeah, it's that sort of thing where like if you hear it, you know, on the Wake the World set, they released the early version of it with, um, you know, it was done faster originally and then it, you ended up slowing it down and editing it more. But even that was edited, like, even that from the basic track, he's repeated a couple of parts. Like, he just decided, oh, this one verse was, was played really well, so I'm going to make a copy of it and then cut it together so that verse repeats and stuff. It's using editing in, editing in, in like, a, a very new way that he didn't do on Smile and Wild Honey and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, so so the, the lyrics of this song... Um, it's, it's, it's the other song on the album that's credited to Brian by himself and it's um, just a song about doing nothing it's just you know he's got the, the whole thing is the famous thing about the song is the directions to his house um, which if you listen to the, the early lead vocal there's something about, there's one part that's different to the final one where he says go like I think in the final one he says like go left and go right but in the early one he says like go left and go left so he changed it um, Either that was originally like the correct directions to his house, and he, you know, had second thoughts. Or someone said, "Hey, Brian, maybe that's not a good idea." Even though you know you've got to know where to start to find his house from that. Or maybe Brian was like, "Oh, this, maybe I don't want fans to find my house." Um, or maybe that was like the fake one. And then in the final song, he was like, "You know what? I think, I think the Beach Boys listeners deserve to know where I live, so I'm going to change it to my actual address." But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. But it's, <laughs> he gives different directions in each version of it, and one of them must be the, must be the right one. So if you figure out where to start, try following both of those and see if you want to put uh, one of one of four five two Bellagio Road. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and beyond that, the lyrics of the song are just so great. Um, so good. The part about about forgetting the the number and then remembering it and calling it, and but then there's no answer, <laughs> and then waiting around, there's still no answer. It's like yeah. it's written in in such a funny way. It's it's so As it, it, it's so like stream of consciousness. It's perfect. I think I'll make a call. 
down But I lost it so I searched through my pocketbook I couldn't find it so I sat and concentrated on the number And slowly it came to me So I dialed it and I let it ring a few times There was no answer so I let it ring a little more Still no answer so I hung up the telephone Got some paper and sharpened up a pencil and wrote a letter to my friend Yeah, the musical humor on this is just really comes across well. It, this is another one. I like this album a lot because it sounds great, but it's also just funny. Like a lot of these yeah. lyrics are just, you know, they make you laugh. It's really um, funny. And the titles too. The the early title, even Steven, is great, but Busy Doing Nothing <laughs> was was a good good change. That's such a great name for the song, yeah. and it really describes the lyrics and and sort of how Brian felt at the time. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such um, a perfect little window into yeah, his life. You know, everyone calls song. Yeah, everyone calls these songs like the slice of life yeah. Brian songs. That is sort of this genre of Brian just writing very simple direct lyrics about his life, and I think this is the best of all of them. Um, this it's just. I don't know. I, I love this song a lot. And I, I love the way there's no real sort of resolution to the song. It kind of ends with him just like, oh, I'm going to pick up a pencil and write a letter to my friend. And then it's like this big sort of like joyous realization sort of thing. And then the song just kind of trails off. And it's like, you know, what is this? Like, <laughs> it's just, there's just no conclusion. It's just, it's just kind of a, a list of thoughts, basically. It's one thing I really like is the ending after the, after the last lyrics where it goes into seven, four for a bit and then goes back into four. And, it's just such an interesting part of his writing that changed around this time. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's just really great. It's such an unusual sounding Beach Boys song. I know. There's just nothing like it before. There's nothing like and it afterwards. I just find myself. I think this is the song I come back to the most. This has the most plays. Yeah. 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 This has the most plays in my iTunes out of all the songs on the, on the Friends album. Brian's lead vocal is quite strange on the early version of it, on the Wake the World set, and when it was in the higher key. Because when it gets into the bridge sections, he's like he starts to do this more and more into '68 and beyond, where he's he's singing like very low down in his head voice register, like it's this like I call it his elf voice, um, <laughs> and he starts to do this more and more, and it's this sort of quite weak. Gets a little bit sort of whispery and falsetto um, in places because it's hard to do. It's like it's very low down, and in an un, an un, it's like it's a, it's not a natural way to sing, and it's it's not a very like challenging high lead vocal as well. Like he could have just sung this straight, but instead he has this sort of funny little whisper. Yeah, Brian's singing starts to change a lot around this time. And he wasn't doing cigarettes at this point yet, he wasn't doing cocaine. The only thing really was, you know, he wasn't keeping his voice strong by touring, but there's nothing damaging his voice at this point. He was just changing the way he sings quite drastically. Like he was, you know, taking these sort of mid-range, softer lead vocals and doing the sort of low falsetto sort of thing. And you hear it a lot on the Friends album. You start to hear, like, you know, the voice you hear on, like the start of California saga and stuff. If you compare that to something off Smile, it would be like, or Pet Sounds, it's like, it doesn't sound like the same guy at all, but if you compare the start of California saga to the, you know, Wake the World, it's like, oh, okay, there's that voice. I understand who that is now. Um, yeah, just that he started, like you said, he started singing sort of um, in the range that he would usually sing in his full voice, but he would sing softer with his head voice. And it's like he didn't have the the confidence to 
to reach up with a, with a specific voice and and kind of belt out something like he did before as as you know wild honey is is sort yeah, of the last the time wild he did that honey album where he's got a lot of moments like that yeah he's got a lot of moments like that like country air and the the bridge of the title track and on here it's just here uh, comes the night can't wait too just long never really yeah you just never hear that again really um yeah apart from apart from breakaway so, breakaway which you didn't even yeah. use he ended up having carl do it instead um, which, you know, feels like significant. But uh, Brian did originally did the first verse of Breakaway and then he has the the guide vocals, which is where he's re- really reaching for like some quite high, difficult notes and sort of belting that out in, the, in his full voice, the same way he would have in like 66 or something. And it's a little bit weaker, but, you know, he still could do it by then. He still sounds good, but it's um, it's really rare at this point where you, you get Brian vocals that sound like they used to. He's sort of, it's really sort of diminishing... Um, him singing in the way that he used to do. So, so Brian did the vocals for this on, I think either um, like the end of March or um, April 1st, one of those couple of days. Um, Cause it's on the tape with the other stuff, like be here in the morning that they did vocals for around that time. But he evidently wasn't happy with it and thought it was done too fast. And uh, when the Beach Boys went away on tour at the start of April, he came back a couple of weeks later on April 11th and redid some parts of the song and edited it and slowed it down a semitone and then did new vocals, which is how we got the final version. Um, so basically he had like a, a small, he redid the, um, I guess you could call it the, the bridge section. I don't know how you, or it's kind of a chorus or I don't know, just the B section of the song really. Um, he redid it with a small group of musicians who were all on the original recording. He had Jim Ackley playing the keyboard, Alvis Gove on acoustic guitar again, and Lyle Ritz on bass. Um, just playing that B section. And then he sort of made a copy of that and edited it into the original track while also doing even more edits to the original track. So he's, like you said earlier, he's got that repeating acoustic guitar lick, which now plays like every single time you get to the turnaround, including the intro. Um, and um, yeah, so this is like very, tons of edits in this song. There's an edit like every single time it goes to a new section pretty much. Um, and on that, they had this percussion overdub, which I wish they used, but it wasn't used in the final mix. You can hear it on a bootleg, but they've got, um, I guess, just Brian and all three of the musicians playing together. You've got like a kabasa, um, I think claves maybe. Uh, the castanets are on there, and there's also these finger cymbal hits as well that sound really nice. Um, but they didn't use that in the mix. And then Brian did a new lead vocal on this. And as well as that, they had um, Brian's wife Marilyn sings a sort of unison thing in the in the second bridge, which is um, an odd sort of interesting little touch. And I think Diane sings in it as well. I remember Connie said that um, both of them were sang on that and she would, you know, probably know because she was like raised by them. Um, <laughs> and so and I, I, I hear Diane on a couple of lines as well. So I think it was both the sisters out of that part. Um, and then Marilyn and Brian also have these backing vocals that are barely audible in, in the final mix. You can hear them off to the right, like very quiet, sort of doing these, Brian's doing this really low part and Marilyn's doing this like high warble. Um, it's really strange and not very in tune and it's sort of like, I don't know, it's like this sort of like unsettling, creepy thing going on right at the edge of hearing. Um, <laughs> yeah, these, those were all vocals that he did when everyone else was away, right? Yeah, yeah, he did, did all the stuff after the Beach Boys had gone. Yeah, so very, you know, sparse vocal arrangement, if you can even call it that. I mean, like you said, it's just the unison and those backing parts which you could hardly hear. But it all yeah. it all comes together and it, it just sounds really nice. I, I do really like those extra parts. 
Yeah, what he did by slowing the track down, it gives it this sort of like very lazy feel. It's it gives it you know the original was quite urgent, and um, I always think of the lyric where he's like, um, like, don't waste a minute more. It's the perfect night. Is what he sings in the original one, and then in the final one, it's like uh, take all the time you need. It's a lovely night. It's like a sort of different approach to it. It's like the sort of very much more laid back, lazy yeah. atmosphere to the final one, which I like. Just I like both of them. I, I, I don't you know I don't really have a preference. I love that we've bought, got both sort of interpretations of the song, but I. I do like the extra sort of vocals and the way he sings this final one a little bit more. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say I like the final one more, but I I do appreciate having both to listen to. And I do listen to both mm. on occasion. All right, now let's move on to Wake the World. Yeah, Wake the World, uh, in the title track of the uh, 2018 set. Um, and the first song that Brian wrote with Al, uh, just the two of them. And Al had a nice little anecdote about this one where he says he went over to Brian's house um, and Brian had already finished all the music up, and then they wrote it beneath like the wild honey stained glass window, um, working on the lyrics together. And this is a really pretty song. This is um, when I, whenever I get the Friends album up, I quite often just like will begin from this song. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. All right. So who's playing on this one? Who's playing on this one? Okay. So this was recorded at Brian's house, the basic track, on March 28th. So two days after busy doing nothing. There's kind of a. Um, pattern here of him doing a song every two days, I don't know. Um, so Brian's playing his um, detuned grand piano, Alvascovo is playing the uh, rhythm guitar, Lauritz is on Fender bass again, Norm Jeffries is sort of triple duty on percussion, he's playing the drums but he's also got like a tambourine attached to the kit and a vibra slap which is a new thing to Brian. Um, Tommy Morgan's playing a bass harmonica I think, uh, sort of right at the very top of its range doing this very sort of like I don't know, abrasive sound in buzzy line, uh, which is, it's an unusual, I don't, you know, I, 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 we, I don't think we've really got to the bottom of how they got that sound, but it's, it's an odd sounding part, it's like a, it's like a B, it sounds almost like a kazoo, and um, Dick Hyde is playing a tuba on this thing, which again is quite uh, unusual for Brian's stuff, and then right after this they had an overdub session with a whole um, eight-piece string section, and uh, Dick Hyde plays, I think he was, he was credited uh, for playing flugelhorn on this as well, which uh, you can hear there's some sort of horn or or flugelhorn type thing playing along with the string section that's very buried down in there. Um, yeah, this is another really cool track arrangement that sounds just like nothing else pretty much. It's, you know, um, with, with the tuba part and the chorus, it's like something out of like Sesame Street. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a little bit goofy, um, <laughs> I, but I, I love this track. Um, one thing that always stands out on this song and a bunch of the other friends' song is the bass tone. Lyle Ritz had such a good yeah. bass tone going. It's got a great bass tone. This one has the classic, like, um, every eighth note before a downbeat Brian Wilson bass part. And it it's mixed really well, too. It just sounds really good in, in, the, in the mix, and it's mm. nice and loud. It does, yeah. Um, but, and it's got that, that great part and the, the bridge this is an unusually structured, um, structured song the way they recorded it is um, it was longer than the final one that came out but basically it, like, it, has, um, it has this very short verse section then it goes into this minor key bridge um, then another verse and then after that it's sort of just verse chorus verse chorus verse chorus until it fades out and uh, I th- yeah I always get sort of struck by that little sinister sort of bridge section right at the very beginning of the song because it's an odd place to put it there's um brian's kind of getting odd with the structure of his the structures of his songs in the friends era you know wild honey was quite traditional verse chorus verse chorus a lot of the things and occasionally there'd be a bridge um 
but the friend stuff it's it, you know he's really experimenting it's kind of it's more pet sounds in the way that he's being a little bit unusual with some of the the song structures yeah and um i know that the music came first but it sort of does match the the lyrics where it really does at first yeah. it's um you know the stars are appearing and, and the night comes and the night is like that um that minor key verse section or bridge section yeah i love the, the strings, strings in this as well yeah and then the next verse is about turning into day and then you get that that chorus which is the same chords but in a major key yeah it's just the major it's, key version it's of, just great of, of the the bridge section which is brilliant um and i wish there was another sort of night section at the end to fade out but you know you can't make them all one by one the stars disappear the sky grows brighter every minute of the sunrise wake the world with a brand new morning say hello to another fine morning got my face you know it's, it's just simple direct like things about their actual life i guess and i think brian has called this his favorite song on the album he said that about uh, busy doing nothing and friends as well i think brian just likes the friends album to be honest but um yeah so he brings he it up it a lot like, with the, uh, favorite the way he felt album. about the change of day to night yeah, yeah, but I think Brian has this, a quote about this one where it's like, it, it was very descriptive of the way I felt about the change from day to night, and it's like, very insightful, Brian, thank you, but you know what it is, it's great, it kind of, it cycles around and you get the whole, you know, the run of a whole day Yeah. in this. I mean, he's, he's um, not wrong. He's not wrong, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they did this uh, live quite a bit as well, because it came out as, eventually it was used as the B-side of Do It Again, so it was a mainstay in the Beach Boys live sets for a while, and recently Brian's band have done it on tour a few times. Um, so you, you get to hear, yeah, there's quite a good um, live version that the Beach Boys performed, where they changed the structure of the song around a little bit to go straight into a chorus, which, it makes sense when you hear that, why Brian had that little sort of uh, minor key verse sorry minor key bridge come in right after the opening verse because going into a chorus it's quite abrupt right off the off the bat um but the way the beach boys did it they kind of flipped the song around to have the bridge come in later and then they made it a little bit longer by repeating the chorus more um so anyway we could talk about the vocals uh because there's more than the vocals that they didn't use on on the final song um which were originally brian carl and al all sing the leads on this together and then in the chorus, Brian has the high part, it's two-part harmony, and then Carl and Al have got the lower part. And uh, I'm glad they changed the vocals, but you know, it's, just, it's, always, it's always nice to hear a different approach to this, because it, it, I do like the whole unison thing, uh, even though I prefer the final. One by one, the stars disappear, the sky grows brighter every minute of the sunrise. Yeah, and then on the final one, he's it's, it's just Brian singing the lead on his own single track again, sort of sounds similar to his lead on when a man needs a woman just very intimate one by one stars disappear sky grows brighter every minute of the sunrise wake the world with a brand new morning say hello to another fine morning got my face in the running water making my life so much brighter now moon shines bright and then the chorus is um actually a like a duet between brian and mike um from when after mike got back from india and it's it's brian doing the top part and mike doing the bottom 
And then the, um, you know, after that whole part, Carl has that little lead where he comes up and he sings, I'll be there or some other words in, in the other other choruses. Yeah, and then you get, get all the harmony. Yeah, the harmonies also um, haven't exactly figured out who's singing what parts because they change the arrangement around both times it happens and yeah yeah it's like it's 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 about like three or four beach boys doing different parts on different tracks and uh so you've got like brian's sort of like doing a low part and and a high part and it's uh we haven't caught to the bottom of that one yet i need a clearer acapella mix to work from but um there's also the sound of uh, some blinds or curtains being drawn uh in in, in near the start which is I, I love that little touch it's just a very sort of like vivid um it adds a lot to the song even though it's so small um and there's also a lot of editing in this song as well, because you know you've heard the uh, the longer one on the Wake the World thing, where they have another verse and chorus, and then it fades out on a longer verse. But for the final edit, uh, they made a copy of it, and Brian cuts like this thing together from like yeah, when the chorus is the same chorus both times, and um, the, the 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 verse that it fades out on. If you hear like the very end of the mix, you can hear the um, the vibraslap hits again to go into the chorus, and it just fades out just just before then instead of actually using the verse sort of fade out repeating section that they recorded for it it was just like brian repeating the same sections over and over again because he likes like that one you know that one run of the chorus just felt good so he decided to repeat it um you know we things we'd never noticed but brian's got like his uh his <laughs> yeah I, I never noticed that his um his editing process during this time is is sort of a result of his perfectionism i think that's a good call yeah and he, ne- he didn't really do that again like he was never this invested in um, doing this sort of thing after this album it's the only time that he really got into being that meticulous with doing this which you know it's um, it's, a, it's a sign that things were changing when he he was never so like heavily involved in making sure everything sounded exactly the way he wanted right through the final mix as he was in this one afterwards um, I love the strings in this as well which are very buried in the chorus in the final mix but uh, you can hear them in that alternate mix um, great string parts just like just like the song Friends, just like Aren't You Glad. Um, Brian loved to record strings and then bury them in the mix at this time. It's just something he had a thing for. Um, yeah, good song. Good song. One of my favorites on the album. I mm. feel like I could say that for all these Me songs, too. but this one, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I can say I can say it about the next song as well, because I would get to be here in the morning. The final version is the next one that comes up. It was recorded just a day later than wake the world on uh, 29th uh for the track and this is a whole like a very drastic reworking of that earlier song where it's like now it's a sort of like jazzy waltz thing with like different chords and a new structure um yeah so this one is like you said a, a very drastic rearrangement of the track he had before be here in the morning darling no more darling in the title um and it's a waltz but again like when a man needs a woman and busy doing nothing there's a whole bunch of time signature changes and the song kind of keeps changing throughout the piece and there's you know bars of four here and i think something else somewhere else but um really interesting track uh we got jim ackley on the on the rocks accord um alvis govo and carl on guitars lyle ritz on electric bass again norm jeffries on the drums uh we think brian playing that tambourine and um yeah well the tambourine was either overdubbed also, or on the basic but brian did the count in for the track and craig yeah. can't remember if it was on there or not so it was either overdubbed by brian or brian was on the floor doing it but it's either way i think it's probably brian 
Yeah, and then we've also got some like orchestra chimes played by Alan Estes and um, and an oboe on this song. An oboe. Yeah, he hasn't we used an really oboe. Don't see much of that stuff. Yeah, around this era. Yeah, that, that, but that sort of that that oboe um, bells combination is really beautiful. Yeah, very unique to this song, even throughout this era. You know, a lot of these songs sort of have the mm. same instrumentation. Uh, they have the, those two keyboards that Brian went for, and his organ and his piano, and then uh, beyond that, it was pretty basic bass, drums, guitar. But um, that's that one's a really nice touch. And then the overdubs on this one, we have Lyle Ritz playing a, a tenor ukulele, and he was a great jazz ukulele player. But um, then there's also a, a steel guitar played by Alvis Covo, and those both really help to kind of bring this into sort of a, a Hawaiian place. It just feels like you're relaxing on the beach with somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I love the, 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 the sound of the, uh, the you know, the, the way the keyboards and the acoustic guitar and the 12-string guitar all kind of mesh together in this one sort of like big shiny um, sort of chord sound. It's it's a really cool, it's, it's, a, it's a very unique sound you got on this track. And obviously, you know, in the chorus, when you get the, the bells and the oboe playing together, it always sort of gives me like a sort of wedding sort of feel into it. Um, and uh, the you know the ukulele and the and the steel guitar are really buried in that original mix. You've got to like squint to hear them, but they're they're in there. And um, Brian also overdubs um, this great, hilarious like bass pedals on the organ solo that right, for, the track drops out to just the bass pedals playing like a couple of notes, and it's it's really funny. But it's like it's it's such a dynamic production. This whole thing. This this song's a very like it's I'd call this like a really produced song. The way when we get to the vocals in a minute, there's a lot of little parts and a lot of little features to this thing. Like it could have been a single if it didn't sound so strange. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of that. It, was <laughs> it is so it. strange. <laughs> yeah. it's, re- it's really weird. And that, that organ solo in the middle is mixed pretty low and it's just, you know, re- very low in pitch. So if you're not paying attention and you kind of have the song turned down a bit, it's like the song disappears for a couple seconds. If you're not listening carefully know, enough, it's, it's, it's really weird. Yeah, it's great, and it's just like you can just imagine Brian's just like punching the pedals with his fist as well on the floor to get that thing. It's um, it's such a it's such a funny choice. If you listen to the backing uh, track on the Wake the World set, it was originally like a full backing track there. It was like it was like a normal instrumental break, but Brian added the overdub and just replaced it with like, you know, let's drop the song down to nothing. It reminds me of like. It's sort of a precursor in my head to the the Johnny Carson break, which isn't as sparse, but you know where he just has like that so like amazingly like dumb instrumental break where it's just like the organ, guitar, and piano just like playing the same chord like for like for so long, and it changes <laughs> to another chord, and it's like it's it's, it's just it's, it's just like yeah, I always think of it as a sort of precursor to that, like the the really dumb instrumental break that's just perfect for the song. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Um, but it's a really cool track, and let's talk about the vocals. So this song, it, it's had credits on some of the CDs, and they're almost always wrong, and there's been a lot of debate as to who sings on this, but yeah, we'll, we'll set it straight. So uh, <laughs> Because everyone does yeah, kind of have their own little part on this, get this song. Let's get this down um, for, the, for the record book. Exactly. So um, that very opening lead vocal that's just wordless, that's like that's Brian doing his thing. 
Um, but the verses in the song singing the lyrics are Al Jardine. And it's Al sort of singing in a style and in a range that he doesn't usually sing. And a, a lot of people just sort of think this is Brian because it does sound a bit like Brian on like the last verse of When a Man Needs a Woman when he got that like really pinched nasally mm. high voice. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's Al Jardine singing the, the, the verses here throughout the song. Um, so, you know, you can't really say Brian has a lead vocal beyond that intro. And uh, although Brian does sort of add a, a similarly pinched sounding harmony little to that harmony. verse. In, yeah, in the, a little squeaky harmony to in the, the, in the, the, second, the second verse. I only hope that you come here alone. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, um, Al singing in that style. If you get into dissecting backing vocals, Al sings all, like, loads of high stuff. He was Brian's second high voice guy besides Brian himself, you know, so it's... I was used to singing in this range. It was just very sort of rare for him to have a lead vocal like that. Um, but I guess the next time you get that is like loop de loop, where he's he's really going for the high notes. He's got like a note in there that's um, it's like a high F sharp, and it's crazy. He sounds he sounds like he's about to die when he's doing it. But uh, Al could sing high. Al could sing high well. And uh, this is a really nice example of um, it's an unusual melody, especially you know with the chords shuffling around all over the place and the, the slightly um, you know odd lyrics to this song is the only way I can put it like they're very sort of disconnected from each other and and uh, some odd funny little lines in there this is credited to all five of the, the original Beach Boys including Mike I don't know what he did but um, and there aren't many lyrics in this song so it's like how do they all fit but uh, it's a yeah it's an odd little thing about like I only hope that you'll come here alone I mean you know <laughs> I mean like you know who, who else is going to be dropping by and there's the whole actual mention of J John Parks and Nick Grillo and Steve Cawthorn in there, and uh, rhyming the word home with the word home. It's a funny. It's a funny song. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, the the chorus lead vocal in the first chorus and the final chorus is Carl, and then Brian sings the high harmony to him after the um, in the second round when he comes in. But that sort of like high aha um, response part. Is uh, it's Carl as well? It's an overdubbed Carl doing that part. Except in the second chorus, which is different, is Brian and Carl sing the lead vocal together through a Leslie speaker, which is the first time. I mean, since Paul Peterson, she rides with me in early '64, which I don't think Brian even had anything to do with the Leslie stuff on that, but it's the first time they've tried having people sing through a Leslie speaker, which is a cool little sound. You know, the Beatles did that sort of thing a few times. And then in that chorus, you don't have the high harmony, but you do have backing vocals, which I think are both Brian and Carl. It's Brian, someone else, or maybe three people, I don't know, um, doing that, a much more nasal version of that. So a lot of switching. Um, and you get to the, the fade section where Brian had that intro lead vocal. Now Dennis repeats that um, thing, and uh, so Dennis takes over to reprise that. And uh, yeah, so a lot of switching in the song, a lot of little dropping parts in here, dropping parts in there, um, doing it in pieces. Right, and um, as far as the the harmonies go, so all of those verses have these big response vocals, and where it's just like a whole group singing singing the response. And that those parts are actually all of the Beach Boys who were there, so everyone but Mike, 
as well as Marilyn and Murray. So very interesting harmony stack there. And th- that same group also sings like the, the, the word full at the end of the choruses or in the middle of the choruses rather. Um, so yeah, with, with Mike gone and Alan Dennis on, on other parts, Murray, who was, who was there helping to produce some of these vocal sessions actually, um, stepped up and, and sang that low vocal. So that's interesting. So the story of that is, um, I guess we should talk about Murray a little bit because Murray is, um, we should back for friends yeah. in the same way he was back on the early albums, really as a sort of co-producer, he was just showing up to these sessions and, you know, um, apparently he and Brian were sort of getting on for a, a time in, in the late sixties until Murray decided to sell all of the, uh, the sea of tunes catalog. Um, but I, I don't know if it had something to do with the whole meditation and everyone just being happy and friendly with each other. But Murray was kind of invited back into the fold in a bit, um, for a bit. And he was turning up to these uh, late friends' vocal sessions and basically producing the same way he does, he does on, you know, the, you hear the tapes of the, like the Surfer Girl album, where Murray is in the booth telling everyone what to do. He was here doing that again. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an odd sort of unexplained little, little return for Murray to get involved with them again but uh the story with this is they were just in the studio recording this they didn't have a mic um as in mic love not a microphone um so brian was like hey dad come over here and sing one note and this isn't the first time murray had sang on a beach boys song because he's on um cindy or cindy the outtake from late 62 uh he'd done the doing the bass vocal there and on that he sounds like a like a demon or something it's horrible but uh, <laughs> he's back <laughs> Yeah, so Murray is on those parts, and then obviously Mike contributed something because he's on there as a co-writer, as a co-lyricist, and um, in fact, the uh, the backing vocals at the very end, when Dennis is singing that part, have um, the full group now. So that, that part actually has Mike singing the bass vocal at the very end, but he's not on the rest of the song. Yeah, so that, that must have been added on, on like the two days that he was back in the studio for... And I guess the other sort of small interesting thing about this um, song is the, um, I think this is maybe like the first and like one of the only Beach Boys songs to have, is it like a, I think it's like a seven part harmony in the, the fall and then in the, also in the fade behind Dennis, those very sort of light backing vocals, if you break them down, there's, I think it's like a, it's like a, it's a really big chord. Um, I don't think Brian ever, you know, he never normally went above six parts, but I think this and maybe Soulful Soulful on Sunshine let me see off the top of my head where it's like seven parts just in a straight sort of block harmony thing um, yeah yeah really really interesting one other thing I guess is uh, this is another song that was edited a lot in um, after he'd recorded it he did it in a few sort of pickup sections in the first place but then even then after the song was recorded he went back and made copies and uh, when you hear the chorus all the vocals are different but the chorus track is the same same piece of music every single time you hear it and um also in the mix, they only sang that sort of like, at the end of the first verse, they all go ooh-wah, ooh-wah, or whatever, I don't know, I can't remember what they sing. And uh, they also sing the full part in the mid of, middle of the chorus. They only did that once on the tape, so what they did is they mixed it down twice, and then just took out, like, they cut out those little sections of uh, the mix and spliced them into the final stereo mix to, to get that uh, little vocal part to repeat. Like, I don't know, Brian just didn't feel like getting everyone to sing it twice, so... Um, that's that's a really selective way of edit, um, doing the edit, like you know, just mix like cutting a section of the actual mix itself, and that's why in the second chorus you hear the Leslie speaker effect drops off Carl's um, voice for a second. That's not 
because the the effect was turned off. That's actually like a, a really subtle tape splice, which was done very precisely. And you know, if you really get into the weeds of how the Friends album was done, there's editing everywhere, but it's it's very subtle and it's very well done. Yeah, I mean, it took me a long time to even notice some of it, and I always assumed that that was just like someone flipping the switch on on the the Leslie speaker, but no, that's that's a a hard splice in the actual tape, the physical tape. So it's uh yeah, Brian's perfectionism was was crazy with getting very specific takes and then realizing that he didn't have to do it that well again and and just repeating them and repeating them, making Jim Lockhart do all this all this, you know, cutting and pasting. Yeah, he was Jim Lockhart did some like he must have got like you know smiling smile has some kind of clunky edits and like getting hungry and stuff but jim lockett is like on the ball on this album like you oh, don't yeah. notice that there are any edits on the songs whatsoever like never mind how many there are um so he must have been you know getting used to working with brian who liked to use uh, tape splices and stick things together so now we're on to sort of the final stretch of the Friends album sessions. On um, March 30th, they had a session at ID Sound, which was vocals for Wake the World, but we think they probably did some other things at the session as well. Uh, March 31st was Be Here in the Morning. Uh, they probably did vocals and other things here as well, and this was the, the Murray session where he sang on that. And on April 1st, Mike finally gets back from India, because what Mike did is he left India. I'm not sure when, but... He went to, I think, I think he went to London for a bit, like for a few days. Like Brian was like, come back and do vocals, and Mike was just, you know, he was just enjoying his life. Um, he was not really in a hurry to get back to the sessions, but Mike gets back for a whopping two days of vocal sessions right at the very end of Friends, and he's on a lot of the album. He's on a lot of songs for, um, you know, how little time he was actually there. But he makes his impact sort of felt. And uh, what they do in the final few days, they record a few songs straight up at ID Sound without session musicians with the Beach Boys that Mike and Brian have written. And the first of these is um, Meant For You, which they do a version of on April 1st. But they do two versions of this song. This is something I don't think a lot of people know. Um, There's that extended version of the song on Made in California. uh, That's not how they recorded it. They recorded two completely different versions of the song. It's two different things. You know, one version was like Brian singing about puppy dogs and ponies. And then the second one was a very different thing with Mike singing these sort of love song lyrics. And then on Made in California, they sort of welded them together to make a longer version of the song, which is cool. But um, yeah, these were two entirely different sort of interpretations of Meant For You. I guess the first one was just Brian. We're not sure which way around they went, but, you know, I think that the... The, the puppy dog version was first and then the the album version came second but the first one was just brian's lyrics uh and then the second one was they might got together and co-wrote it and they turned it into something quite different but um i guess we'll talk about the two different versions yeah the way they recorded this one was really cool because they recorded it not as like a track and then vocals but they did brian playing organ and singing live with all the other beach boys singing with him and I think that's really neat. You know, they didn't really do yeah. much like that um, before or after. Yeah, you never get to hear that very much. Yeah, and the the puppy dog lyrics, a lot of people hate those, but, I, you know... I love them. I understand, I them. <laughs> but they, 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 they fit the Friends vibe, in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I like the idea of this been a sort of like... This could have been at the end of the album as like a reprise or something, or I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I, I like the Poppy Doll lyrics. It's a very different take on the song. It's, you know, it's more about family, um, I guess. And this is, um, 
Yeah, so Brian's playing the organ and playing and singing lead live, and in the backing vocals, you've got uh, uh, Colin Bruce in the sort of the higher parts, the doot doos, and then Alan and Mike have got the the lower backing vocals. And um, there's that part in the extended Made in California one where um, Mike has the repeated line at the end, and that's actually a fly, and that's copy pasted from his vocal on the on the first half of the song. So he didn't sing that; it was just a wordless sort of part of the same chord progression. Um, and then, so they recorded this whole song live without any overdubs, and then I guess they decided to just go back and, like, turn it into something very new. Like, Mike's just go back from India, then he goes over to Brian's house after the session, and then they come up and come up with this very different sort of version of it. Beach Boys, you know, everyone besides Mike is still in the transcendental meditation mood. Um, he really kind of, his lyrics on a few of these songs really make that impact a bit more powerful. And mm. I really, really like the way he sings on the second version. I really like his voice on this song. Yeah. And uh, so so uh, Bruce plays a piano on the second one as well as Brian's organ. Uh, it's all live. It was all done. Um, I think Mike overed up the final lead vocal, but... Um, kind of interesting to know about this as well is Brian doesn't sing on Meant For You on the album he's just straight up like not singing on it he's playing the organ but um, the vocals at the end of it are just Bruce, Carl, Alan, Mike um, like no Brian because he was busy playing organ and it's the same arrangement as the first version really but Brian you know wasn't singing the lead so I don't know it's um, it's I don't know how that turned out but if Meant For You on the Friends album Brian just straight up doesn't sing on it <laughs> Yeah, one of the very few Beach Boy songs that doesn't have, that has vocals, but not Brian singing. And I didn't even realize that until recently, until I gave, you know, yeah. gave a closer look at it. I, I have a theory that he may, he may have sung lead on it originally and had Mike replace it, which is why his voice isn't in the background. But yeah, it could be that case. Um, yeah, so, so what are the other songs Brian didn't sing on, but got the rest of the group to sing on? Louie Louie on Shutdown Volume 2, Brian doesn't sing on that. And um, Wind Chimes, the smile version of the chorus, Brian doesn't sing on that as well, because he was twiddling knobs in the control room. So this is, uh, you know, I think maybe only the third one. Um, you know, Go Don't Tell Me, he doesn't sing on that, because it's only a solo vocal. I can't really think of anything else. Yeah... Maybe in the back of my mind, I know he he sang on some takes. I don't know if he made the. Oh final no, no, one. he doesn't. He straight up doesn't sing on in the back of my mind as well. He was in the booth for that one. So anyway, yeah, beautiful song, beautiful opening to the album. Really and, great song. Um, and Very they, sh perfectly short as well. I don't mind that it's short. They actually the final version had an extra sort of chorus with the meant for you chant at the start that they edited out. So which which is why it starts like sort of really abruptly on that piano note on the album. It's um, they edited out a little part that. They didn't even use in the extended one, which is a shame, but... Yeah, so another song that Brian and Mike wrote right as 
right as Mike got back from India is um, Annalie the Healer. And this is another song that's very, you know, much more blatantly about meditation and less about friends um, than a lot of the rest of the album. And yeah, well, not necessarily meditation, but just, you know, Mike's experience in, in India. It's like directly from the whole Rishikesh thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's got that whole, yeah, the, the Rishikesh vibe to it. And it's, it's another track with the Beach Boys playing. And it, initially it had some more instruments than what appear on the final version. The final, what you hear in the mix is just piano, bass, and, and, um, and some percussion, I think, a conga, which is just Brian, Carl, and Dennis. But if yeah. you listen to the, the session on, on the Wake the World release, you'll hear some organ and some guitar by Bruce and Al, but that didn't make the final cut. Yeah. Yeah, they were in the final takes, I think, but just muted in the mix. Like, you can still hear yeah. uh, the organ sort of at the edge of here and bleeding on the other tracks. But um, it's really, I love those organ parts in, in the, uh, the early take. Um, so, so this was, um, yeah, again, this was recorded at ID Sound with Murray sort of co-producing the session. Um, it's nice to hear the Beach Boys sort of playing as a full band again. We haven't heard that in a while. Haven't heard Alan guitar in a while. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it gets so minimalist at times, you know, when you've just got like brian literally just playing the bass line on his on his on his piano is the only instrumentation in those um those sections again this is another one that's edited a lot but you wouldn't tell just by listening to it what they did is they played the full track with like an extra verse that they didn't use and the 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 um the verses were also longer they had like a whole extra sort of couple of measures um that they just chopped out at the start of each verse like it was like an instrumental thing that led into the that led into um, where the singing would start, but they just cut that out. And then also the chorus track is the same track every single time you hear the chorus. So they sort of recorded this as a full song. Brian decided they had one verse and chorus too many, cut that out, decided the verses were too long, cut that out. Also decided he wanted to use one chorus as the basis for every chorus, so then copy-pasted and cut that in again. But if you just listen to it, it'd yeah, be like, you know, you'd never notice the edits in this song, but there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's you really don't notice that but he was really going crazy with <clears throat> trying to make it as perfect as possible of a performance hmm. yeah and uh, the vocal blend on this one is really great uh, Dennis doesn't sing on this one again just like meant for you even though he was there to play on it um, but you can you know, they get a really great vocal blend on this uh, with the chorus so it's Brian Al Bruce Carl and Mike in that order I love Mike's part on this one especially in the chorus uh, just something about his harmony is really satisfying I don't know and then um you know they have the great part at the very end of the song which um they kind of the two tracks split off together and sort of sing out of sync with each other um it's it's oh it's, that's something as well this song has a full ending some of the songs on friends have full endings um which is something brian hasn't been doing a lot of there was some things on smile but brian's generally not been into full song endings in a while but uh, friends has one be here in the morning has one with the snare roll and this has one as well although it's kind of a really short fade out but she cures people with her hands I'm just one of her many fans You'd love to feel those healing hands Of Annalie the healer The healer, the healer, the healer Yeah, where they, <clears throat> where they stagger the backing vocals. It's sort of similar to what they did on... Some of the smiley smile songs, she's going bald, wind chimes, where yeah, when they double yeah, track the yeah. vocals, um, one one track sings it in time, and then the other one sort of follows, so you get this echo effect, and um, 
yeah, they do that just at the end, and it's really nice. And then the lead vocal as well is Mike sort of singing in the same voice as he did Meant For You, and it's really, really pretty. Aren't you glad as well? I really like this stuff that they recorded. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and the verse backing vocals are really simple as well. It's like quite a sort of spread apart harmony with just Brian, Alan, Mike are the only people singing on that part, and they didn't even double it. Um, Like, very simple. Um, And it's, I I really like the song. This one kind of gets the, um, it gets the short end of the stick in like Friends Review sometimes. People call it, you know, the the run to friends and i've never understood that i love this one just as much as all the other songs and i think it's really pretty i love the lyrics some people have called them kind of like insincere sounding but i think they were completely you know it's gen there was this woman um at the rishikesh camp in india um called i think annalise braun was her name and she was just a healer who sort of like everyone loved and um mike had like back problems or something wrong with his feet and she fixed him up or something and um, I don't know. I, I've seen some people like say this song's like I don't know. It seems like dirty. She was a real like person. An... There, there are there are pictures of her. Yeah, she's a real person. And I've seen some people think call this song like, like sort of like cheap innuendo or something. But it's not. It was a real sincere song. It's just kind of like goofy and, you know, it's he's genuinely singing about this this healer and how great she is in in uh, Rishikesh and. There's, there's, it's as literal as it gets. It's it's a really pretty song. I, I've always loved it. When she gets a chance to help someone, she's really happy. If you trust her with your ill, she'll quickly make you see. She can fix things up for you just like she did for me. And so with all that done, they got ready to head off on tour and Brian was sort of left to finish the album on, on his own. So the next thing that he did was hold a tracking session for Transcendental Meditation to do a new version of the song. And this one <laughs> this one is... Uh, it's it, <laughs> Pretty infamous. Yeah, very infamous, very different. Like a lot of this stuff, but very different to anything he's ever done before. It's just a, a sax section and a rhythm section. Yeah, he's got ten saxophones, but you'll see, I just find it funny to say out loud, like, you know, this song about meditation needs ten saxophones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's taking a song about meditation, and a lot of this um, Friends material is is sort of humor-oriented. And I, I suppose the original probably wouldn't have had anything like that, and that was in a very different spirit of, of the album uh, when they were doing all the tracks on their own at Brian's house. So... Brian takes it in a totally different direction. Ten saxophones and drums and bass, and that's it. And it even has a sax solo, yeah. which is um, not something yeah. that a Beach Boy song has had since, uh, I don't know. Oh, God, I don't <laughs> but, know. I can't think. <laughs> early 60s. Um, or I, I guess down. some of his... <laughs> there must be something yeah, other than that. I can't remember. Shut down, really? Well, I mean, a lot of his early productions... No, no, there must be something. Artists, I just like, can't uh, think right he's now. He's a doll, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's some like solo, soloistic moments, like, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I guess My Only Sunshine, but well, that wasn't on a beach boys. Oh. Yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous track. And um, <laughs> for the vocals, Brian just sang three-part harmony, 
on his own. Yeah, all the all the vocals Brian in his uh, funny little elf voice um, doing these. He's just like screaming the word "it's cool," which is exactly what you know of a, this massive big band saxophone track, which is exactly what I think of when I think about meditation. Um, it was co-credited to my canal, um, so I guess they wrote the lyrics and then uh, very quickly before um, they went away on tour. And there's not there, there aren't many words to this song, um, and. Uh, just, just, yeah, just, I, I remember Al's been asked about this song a few times and it's quite funny because whenever Al's asked about this, it's like, oh, I, I was, uh, I, I was like, oh, I thought it was like one of my leads, my, my worst lead vocal. Cause he, he's thinking about the 15 big ones song called, or called TM. Um, and he's like, no, like every interview I've seen, there'll be like a, a, this asking Al about the friends album and they'll get to like this song and he's like, oh no, I didn't like my lead vocal and that. It's like, Al, they're, they're still talking about friends. They mean the other transcendental meditation, like read the context. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this, this thing, um, Murray was there at the session again and Murray was apparently like, Murray was just having a good time on this one. Uh, this is, I, I don't know. I, I, I am surprised that Murray went for this as, as much as he apparently did, but you know, this is apparently the sort of thing Murray was into. Um, Brian has a great quote also in that record collector magazine from the 90s, uh, where he says, uh, I used a lot of horns in it and put these chords to it that were not Beach Boys chords at all. I felt funny about it for a while and said, I shouldn't have done that because it was too much of a departure from the original Beach Boys sound. Um, no, you shouldn't. Brian, be, be, have some confidence in yourself. You should have done this. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um... I mean, I can see why Murray went for it because it's it's weird and it's not the Beach Boys, but it's um, but it's not a new sound, you know. It's it's big band, and this is the kind of music that he liked them yeah, to do, true. as as weird and funny as it is, um, especially just the juxtaposition with the lyrics and Brian's weird little voice. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I'm wondering if he knew this was going to be an album closer when he recorded it because it's just hilarious. Yeah, some people, you know, just like it, even when as far as the official liner notes in the two for friends is like, I went to sleep with a band, but I close up. Um, I think this is perfect as the end of friends. You know, what I mean? you have this peaceful, light album, and then you need sort of a wake up call. You need like a sort of punch at the end, and I think it's a perfect musical joke as well as just being like a cool track. Um, but Mike had this genuinely quite insightful interpretation of it, which, you know, he talked about it being dead, like dead seriously, the way Mike does. You know, like where he called teeter-totter love poignant he's just the way he is um <laughs> but um mike was like in meditation it's like you know there's the peaceful you know just meditating being still part of it but there's also like the activity part of it after you've meditated where you got all this energy and you go and do all this stuff and he says that um this song sort of represents like the the active half of the meditation equation which is an important part of it so if you if you look at it in that way it's like it makes sense. It's like a genuine. It's not not just a joke. There's an actual bit of meaning behind it as well. And it makes, you know, you've had gone through this this peaceful album, and at the end you get sort of a jolt to go up and run around and scream, "It's cool," and emancipate the man and get you feeling grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly makes sense as a closer if you view it in that light. Um, yeah, beyond being just like a really really funny punchline to the album, this this album makes me smile. I mean, yeah. it's it's fun and it's and it's it's just funny. I love it. 
Yeah, so I, I guess that's that's that song wrapped up, and then we get to we knew it again. So when April eleventh, Brian went back and re-recorded that part of Busy Doing Nothing, made the edit, and did the new vocals. But that same day, he did that um, sort of partial Busy Doing Nothing remake. He also recorded a new song, which only exists under the title "New Song," because he's really good at naming songs. Um, <laughs> and this thing is really strange. It was on Smile bootlegs for years, and called things like Indian Wisdom because of the back of the Smiley Smile album, or Spanish Guitar, or Doves of Free. I think it was called on one bootleg for some reason, but it was didn't have a title. It's just this spooky little instrumental based on uh, a melody line from the original version of TM. Um, and it's this is a strange, creepy, creepy, creepy little thing. That, um, I love it. <laughs> This is a part of the original Transcendental Meditation track. Um, and he's, with the new version of Transcendental Meditation, he's removed a lot of the musical um, parts of that. And this is just one of them sort of on its own as an instrumental, as a really short little piece. And um, yeah, basically as the Beach Boys left, there weren't really enough songs to make up an album because... What you need is yeah. is twelve songs for this this album with with these short songs, um, so he needed an extra extra in- instrumental. Yeah, and he could have finished on you home and be you're as cool <laughs> as can be, but he's he's dumb like that. So he needed one more <laughs> instrumental to stop the record label putting good vibrations on it. I think is the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he was genuinely worried about that. But this this is a, a great little instrumental. I really like it. I, I think it would have been a cool. Um, Seems like, you know, like I said in the last episode that he went for a, a specifically Indian vibe with these, uh, with this melody yeah. and this, this, um, scale he's using and these chords. Um, so it would have been a good lead in into transcendental meditation, um, you know, coming after busy doing nothing. Or even a sort of epilogue to it. I don't know. But, yeah. um, I, I like the idea of it coming between them actually. I hadn't really thought about that because, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, uh, before Diamond Head existed when he's just, kind of searching for a, a an extra song to the album and the Beach Boys aren't around. So the musicians on this one, you've got uh, an organ, which um just holding down like these spooky chords. I think Brian played the organ. There's a roxichord this time. It's playing the melody that was originally on um, played on the banjo, and that would be Jim Ackley, who also played it on Busy Doing Nothing. Alvis Govo's playing a 12-string acoustic guitar, Um the sort of like, sort of tremolo, sort of Spanish guitar-y sort of um type parts which aren't very well played which i find kind of you know odd uh, considering he's a, he's a really great guitarist but they're a little bit loose um and then laura is playing the upright bass uh so just the same musicians as that track very sparse um and that's all there is to it and it just repeats the same little riff over and over again and then it stops <laughs> yeah um but for some reason uh with with now enough tracks to complete the album brian decided that he didn't like this so the uh the very next day he brought in the same three guys and sort of had them all improvise uh an instrumental piece together and that became diamond head 
Okay, yeah, but this is straight up just made up on the spot by the musicians and uh, the publishing. Alva Scovo gets the, his name's first on it and he gets the most of the copyright. And uh, he said that Brian kind of got him to lead, um, just make it up the song on the spot. So it's like mostly written by Alva Scovo, but then the other three um, had some input into it. Um, Vescovo plays the slide guitar, uh, which we're not sure if it's a lap steel on all this stuff or if it was, if it was uh, pedal steel just without the pedals because he was primarily, you know, that's normally what he played on sessions, but he's, if he is, you know, playing a pedal steel, he's making it sound Hawaiian by not doing the pedal bends and stuff. Um, uh, Jim Ackley's playing the Roxy chord on this, which has got a sort of very um, electric harpsichord, sort of electronic splashy sound to this thing and Lyle Ritz finally gets to do some ukulele um, like he, you know he did on Wonderful and he did on A Be Here in the Morning but now he really gets to you know show off his sort of jazz ukulele chops which he was um, he's been called like the I don't know like the father of jazz ukulele or something like that like he's uh, that was sort of his main gig besides being a bassist and yeah I've listened to some of his um, albums he's like it's I, I love it but um <laughs> Yeah, this is really just like three sort of jazz musicians making up this sort of exotica instrumental. While Brian sits on the percussion, he's playing. Um, Brian's the the percussionist on this, and what I'm pretty sure it is, and I think you you agreed with me on this, is he's got two congas, he's got a bongo, and he's drumming on them with a pair of claves, and then hitting the claves together as a sort of little. He's got like the sort of little pattern he's got going on. Um, and that's it, and then they just sort of jam, they go through a few sections, it's uh, kind of a modular sort of thing, but it was all recorded live in one take, and um, it's just a jam session pretty much, it's really cool, like I wish I wish Brian produced an entire album of these guys. Yeah, um, he, he didn't really kind of get people into the studio with no ideas and have them create on the spot very often. Um, another example I can think of is America, I Know You by Stephen Kolonich, which is on I was just about to album. say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is this is a great way to um, sort of lead into transcendental meditation. Just like the album, the way it flows at the end, uh, side B just kind of gets more and more chill throughout. And then this is like just absolutely relaxing. Um, before transcendental meditation just blasts you yeah, with all those it, saxophones and wakes you up <laughs> and it's um if you notice as well at the end of side um the end of side two you got like three songs in a row are all just the the things brian did with no other beach boys it sort of turns it really turns into yeah. a solo album for a, a little bit kind of. yeah i mean makes sense that he he called friends um essentially a, a solo album after pet sounds so yeah um, so, so on top of this, Brian added a little bit more uh, percussion. I'm not really sure what the, the percussion instruments are, but there's two different ones. There's like a sort of shaker thing, and then there's like this little sort of clicky rattle. Um, but then what they did is they recorded a whole lot of sound effects, which Alvis Govo, someone spoke to him um, on some steel guitar forum and had his correspondence. And Alvis Govo basically said, um, while he was the one making up the song, Brian was really into this, all the sound effects. That was the thing he got most excited about doing. And um, it's, it's yeah, it's sort of, it's... It's, it's kind of it gives you an idea of maybe what something on, on the elements on smile would have been like if brian had followed up up with that but there are some really interesting sounds he gets on this which were recorded on a separate mono tape and then mixed in as they were mixing it down um so the start of it you get this big eruption sound which is supposed to be like a volcano eruption on you know hawaiian islands is just um the spring reverb unit of a guitar amp has just kind of been overloaded by someone i don't know kicking it or something like that to get all the the big eruption sound 
um, some like the, the lap steel guitars going through the the spring reverb as well, like kind of muted to get all these like drips and squeaky sounds. I uh, don't know what this, they, they kind of remind me of like I don't know monkeys or something like that. I don't even <laughs> I get a sort of like tropical island animal sort of feel from it. Um, there's water sounds towards the end, which were apparently was just like a, a wash tub, and Brian was just swirling water around with his hands in that. And there's also some knocking sounds, which were just Brian literally banging two rocks together and having all the sound effects good, and they wanted it to show up. Um, it's really cool. I love this thing. It's like it is genuinely like the, the it's the literal definition of filler. It's like we need one more song for the album. Hires a bunch of musicians to make it up for him, but it's a, a creative piece of filler. And it's I mean, I, yeah, this is a fantastic piece of music, and they even do it live now on Brian's tours. Um, yeah, they do it live really well too. But yeah, this this song is like you yeah. said. It's never one that I go, oh, let me listen to Diamond Head now. But every time it comes on the album, it's just such a pleasant listening experience, even if it's, you know, really kind of not the Beach Boys. But who cares? Yeah. It's great. Yeah, with that, we're at the end of God. We're at the end of Friends. That went by really fast. I forgot. It's like um, that's it. That's every song on the album. Um, <laughs> so they they put it together with um, the Beach Boys were on tour. Brian had to assemble the album by himself, and I think they had it by uh, the day for the album assembly I've got down is the 16th of April, so only a few days later. And they it was the first Beach Boys album to be mixed in stereo. Um, which, you know, Brian's deaf in one ear, so the way they did that is he had to kind of monitor it in mono and then Jim Lockett mixed the stereo stuff just by... If you listen to this album, it's done in, in a way that like everything's hard panned. It's like all the way left or all the way right or all the way middle, and all the vocals are all in the middle. Uh, throughout every song as well even though like you know they had double back and vocals they could have panned out um it's very like it's done in a very sort of simple functional stereo way i, I still think it's a great sound and mix but that's the one thing um i i wish some of the vocals were spread out a little bit because there's some really nice parts going on in there but yeah i i agree it's definitely mixed like a mono album and that makes sense because brian was there essentially mixing it in mono so if you fold it down that's yeah, that's the way yeah. brian mixed it um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really like the way things are panned. I know it was, it was new for, for Brian and new for Jim Lockard and no one really knew there weren't any standards for stereo records because stereo was only just starting to outsell mono and, you know, they were, this was the first time that they had mixed a record like that since, um, I guess the Christmas album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the instruments being together, um in two distinct places um you know it, it it does well to the to the mono mindset of of you know wall of sound and everything at once but it it makes it hard to hear some things and there's uh there's some clarity that's lost in the mix yeah and uh, as well you know with the vocals being all centered it's um i feel if this album were remixed it could sound a bit better but and that makes it a, a slightly uncomfortable experience with headphones. But the way it sounds mm. in general, like balance-wise and all that, it's it's a very beautiful sounding album. I really love it. Yeah, it's it, it gets hit with this lo-fi tag sometimes. You know, people talk about the lo-fi trilogy, Smiley Smile, Wild, uh, Wild Honey, and Friends, which I guess, you know, you can apply it in a sense to um, Smiley Smile and Wild Honey because they're, they're not that lo-fi, you know, they're mixed at professional studios, but they're kind of a bit rough around the edges and there's some generation loss in the final masters that make them sound a bit foggy. But Friends is definitely not a lo-fi album at all. It was done, it was really well recorded, um, really well, you know, mixed cleanly and recorded at professional studios and 
and all the bells and whistles are on it and you know with big sections of musicians and intricate arrangements like with meticulous you know edits and stuff to 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 get perfection and everything brian was looking for so it's definitely like i I wouldn't call it a lo-fi album at all it's just a very sort of homey comfortable um there's not there's not much reverb on any of the tracks it's a very dry album i never got a remix with sort of some more modern padding i would love that but i'd I'd also want you know just as dry as the original album was because i mean that's part of the appeal of the sound it sounds very just direct and and earthy and sort of homemade yeah i i agree on all that i don't really understand why um people kind of lump it in with those those other two and and um it it sounds very hi-fi beyond um the weird painting and all that but yeah beautiful sounding album and uh one of my favorite beach boys albums and i really liked talking about it yeah me too it's my favorite album by the beach boys uh, I've, I've said that for a while and then we got here it's like oh it's, it's done i've got no i've got nothing coming up that i can say is my favorite we've, we've done it <laughs> i hope we did it good um yeah, I, I love friends it's one i can go to anytime like no matter what mood i'm in i can play friends start to finish and it's over in like 25 minutes or whatever it's such a short album it but there's so much good packed into it yeah you know, like you can go for a short walk and listen to the entire friends album and it's um doesn't take any effort to listen to i enjoy every second of it it's just perfect for any mood pretty much it's also pretty perfectly sequenced i think it's the whole of side one especially is like a it's a, it's a perfect album sequence you know, like no i wouldn't change a thing about it other than you know i would probably put on you home after when a man needs a woman if they finished it and i'd also quite like the idea of um, if Brian was smart, he could have used the other meant for you as a sort of reprise at the end of the album, but he's, you know, <laughs> wishful <was> thinking. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only, I think it's a beautifully sequenced album too, maybe second only to, to Pet Sounds, and I love the way side two, you get Little Bird, which is like a big production, and then that, that turns into Be Still, the other Dennis song, which is slower and softer, and then busy doing nothing is absolutely relaxed and then diamond head it's just you know nothing it's just absolutely um chilled out and then transcendental yeah. meditation <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it lo- yeah it's perfect and it sort of lulls you gently to sleep and gently yeah. to sleep and then it's like wake up <laughs> yeah the the only complaint about this album is they they really rushed it toward the end with getting enough songs and i do wish some of this other stuff was completed and put on the album because i mean there's space on the album with the length of of tracks that brian was doing i mean he was writing shorter songs it could have been 15 16 songs at songs this length like yeah i I always think um wild honey could have easily been 14 songs this could have been 14 easily there's no reason why it had to be 12 you know we got we got an album uh, called 15 big ones with 15 on them and those songs were all longer than this you know they could have I think Coolest could be On You Home and New Song all had a home on this thing. Um, and maybe something else as well, like, I don't know, turn Be Here in the Morning Darling into a, into a different song. I just put it all on. But there's, you can't get enough Friends, it's all good. And I was in India when Friends was being recorded, and I came back and did some things and uh, contributed a couple of things, but it was just a whole... We've been friends now for so many years, we've been together through the good times and the tears turned each other on to the best things that life has to give. Well, it was just more of a personal kind of a thing and an introspective thing. So that time period was a turning point intellectually and emotionally and, and artistically, I think. 
for the group. It kind of cleared everything away, I think. Although we weren't selling out any, you know, Madison Square Gardens in, so, you know, from that point of view, we, we were in the background. But musically, we were, I think we were just really developing. More individuals in the group began to write during that time. And, whereas before, Brian was doing most all the music, and now everybody can contribute musically. So I think it's a stronger group, actually. That's friends, and yeah, and next time we're going to get to 2020, which will be quite a long uh, thing to get through all of that because it was a complicated album of which we there are lots of mysterious angles to it and sad parts and and strange parts and inexplicable parts and lots and lots of unfinished songs and um, an odd way it came together and re revived sort of old songs and things. As 2020 is a huge chapter in um, the Beach Boys sort of changing for good uh, from the way they'd been operating sort of under Brian for the first seven years. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Don't forget the murderous parts. We can find... Oh yeah, you know, this you know, several it's 2020 is um the like the murderer album. This is like how many murderers are accredited on there? This, Four or know, five. Lead ba- yeah, Lead Better Spectre, uh, Manson. Is there a fourth? I can't remember. <laughs> There's Ron, uh, well, Ron, Jim Ron Wilson and his terrible that, crimes. Of course. Jim Gordon, yeah, Ron Wilson on We're Together Again and his terrible, terrible crimes. Um <laughs> Anyways, we'll get there when we get there, but um yeah, <laughs> friends is great, and I had I had a friends good time with great. this, and I hope you guys did too, and I hope we taught some people about the Beach Boys. Go listen to Friends; you'll have a great time. You deserve it. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Big thanks to Will and John for the fantastic work, as always. Music by Will C., graphics by Matt Thompson, all made possible by our patrons. Thank you guys again for your support. I will see you in a month. Love and mercy to you and your friends tonight. Sail on, sailors. Hold on one second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was hey, my Bulldog, mom nice. To reach. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, hold on, let me let me text her that I'm doing this. This is going. Wow, so well. this is not getting off to a good start. One second. It's going so well. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play Hey Bulldog to myself now.
that. <laughs> you just have that on you the whole time? I thought about a summer day And how the time just floats away Pretty things like it's a ten